is a life business executive and career coach who engages creative professionals seeking to ignite their businesses with fierce accountability, marketing, innovation, and soul-satisfying success. With a background in marketing, Brian also has training in the methodology of CTI's Coactive Coach Training Program and Marion Williamson's Teaching the Teachers. He engages creative professionals seeking to ignite their business with fierce accountability, marketing, innovation, and soul-satisfying success. He is the founder of a coaching organization and creative community with locations in New York, Los Angeles, and Atlanta. My friend, fierce leader in the world, Brian Pataka. <laughs> Pataka. <laughs> Yeah. And you listened and now here you are changing lives in a different, with a different mechanic. I like to think so. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I will say, you know, I think that every single human being is creative, resourceful, and whole, and that you're create you're creative nonstop when you're making dinner, when you're making the bed, when you're brushing your teeth. Um, I, I think that we have, our brains are always running. Uh, even when you're quiet, your brain, great. But then the next moment you're not quiet in your brain, it's already running again. And it is a constant, um, at least in my experience of my life and the way I work with my clients is a constant search for problem solving. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's one of the ways that creativity, I think, exists. I mean, storytelling exists because we wanted to communicate with other people. We wanted to connect with other people. And I think that that's how the theater came to be. That's how storytelling came to be. It was our problem solving to, I want to connect more. Um, and so... Yes, I started as an actor and I loved acting and I was successful as an actor. I was making my living as an actor. And then I kept getting in a bad mood every time I would have to cancel on my coaching clients. And I could have just plotted on and said, you know, this is part of what it means to be an actor and like it should be rough. And I slowly discovered that the truth was I liked being with my clients more than I liked acting. And I think for a lot of people who come to realizations a little later, I wasn't, you know, 22 years old when this realization came to me. So I think a lot of people who especially have seen some success in an area of their life can feel a little less malleable or nimble to say yes to something else, which is one of the things I think actors are really programmed to do is like, you're on set and you're doing this this day and you're on the stage and you're doing this this day. We're like programmed to change gears a lot. And so I think I already had a muscle to be able to change gears, but I think that taking from that way I like to relate that to my clients is from not from a hedonistic point of view, but when we're drawn to something, when we have a desire to do something, it's helping to direct us to what's next for us and what can be the best unfolding for everyone on the planet, all the citizens of the universe, is if we're, we're walking towards that which we desire. Um, and I believe those desires are planted in us by the universe, God, goddess, whatever you call it, source, right? And that that's how the universe organizes itself because we walk towards what we desire and then things start to fall into line. Um, and then of course that means, you know, you got to clean up your instrument so you're not picking up the baggage you got from your parents because we've all had parents so that you can actually hear the intelligence you're getting. And so then when I find people to be the happiest, this is a long answer, but when I find people to be the happiest is when um, they are then creatively in pursuit of that which they are already called to. So ups and downs around acting or writing or filmmaking or photography or whatever it is are, are less hurtful or are less um, painful, I guess, when you're actually walking towards that thing that you want, right? And so that clarity around, you know, what you're doing here, Unleash Your Creative Beast, getting clear on 
what it is that's next for you. I think that is when you're the most excellent problem solver. And I think a lot of people underwrite themselves. Underwrite themselves is not the right word. They don't write, they write themselves off too easily because when you are in your zone of genius, that's when things are coming easy to you. And so suddenly you're like, oh, well, this doesn't matter because I'm really good at it. And so I think that's where the weird piece of creativity and ambition need to have a conversation mm. because you're allowed to have success in that which you are good at. And because you're a creative person and a problem solver, you're also going to be, well, I want to get better at this. Those two things can work in like a parallel track, I think. And so um, well, we, asked, this is a great question, Brian. I'm so glad to be asked this question. So I hope that that gets some yeah, kind of- Yeah. And, and what keeps coming up in this, Brian, is, is listening. And, you know, when I started teaching, it was me listening to a calling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then- in that listening process, you know, I, I'd been asked, you know, if an actor or a creative, a director comes to me and they're awful, <laughs> right? Then what do you do? What do you say to them? I said, well, I can teach them human behavior. I can teach them how to um, observe and listen. Uh -huh. And that is going to take them on a journey, take them on a path that they're either going to become amazing or contribute in a way that may not even be in the entertainment industry, but it's to create a leader in some other field because you're going to have an understanding and empathy toward human condition. So, and also listening to that transition and going, you know, for me, it's been, but I've given my whole life to this, right? And then, but the universe is going, I know, that's why you're so good at this, right? <laughs> yes, yes. So you right. listen to that and there's no guilt, no shame, none of that in that transition. Um, and this came to me because I wanted to listen more. Yeah, I love what you're saying because Brian, part of what you're also saying is this, it says something in A Course in Miracles. Oh, I was ordained yesterday. I'm now a reverend that could open his own church. Uh, I, I was ordained in the tradition of A Course in Miracles. You did that yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. Yay! Uh, yeah, it's so exciting, right? Yeah. Um, so um, I do not know my own best interests is a lesson inside of A Course in Miracles. And I think it's really helpful because it gives us a permission slip to say, I'm going to go, let's pretend this a horrible director came to you for a second, mm -hmm. who says, I need to know human behavior. And you're like, I can teach you human behavior. And the director's like, great, because then when I learn about human behavior, then I'm going to be able to direct better. And da, da, da. But the willingness to say, I'm going to learn about human behavior. And I hope to apply it towards directing, but something else could come out of the work that you do together. Something could come out of their lives or something like, I'm being a photographer now, totally different thing. Like, but this, this permission slip around whatever you're doing is the right thing in the, in the moment. Yeah without deciding it's only for this outcome. That isn't to say you shouldn't train be, to be a great actor, you shouldn't train to be a great photographer, that you shouldn't work towards that thing you want. But the, I don't know, like it's almost like a fluidity around it having to look a certain way at the end will make you that much better of a, a student, I think, mm -hmm. instead of deciding it must be that I apply this only to landscape photos on October 4th, right? That I am, my mind is open to learn and not know how, exactly how it has to be, um, how does, it, how does it manifest, right? And this is like coming from a life coach who like teaches goal setting. I'm like saying like, you don't have to know what you're doing. So I believe in both of them at the same time. Um, yeah, letting go of the attachment to that result. Yeah. It, because the, the miracle happens in the, the, the okayness with whatever is coming to you. I love how you approach, this is what I say to people every day, um, is, is if I say God, then translate that into whatever works for you. Yes. And, and yes. it's so important. I wish that message could be um, 
and, and that people who believe in God aren't threatened by the universe mm. conversation and yeah. the people that are universe conversation can not be threatened by the word God. Right. I was having this conversation yesterday, Brion, because I want, I, 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 you know, I claim to be spiritual, but not religious. Right. Because, and that's just the way I was not raised with anything, but that's what I claim to be. And for me, God universe, it all works together. And, but for some people, it, you can hear it and turn off right away. And so I think what you're saying is so important to give that permission to make this, make this whatever the God of your understanding is, make this whatever the universe of your understanding is so that we don't have to get stuck not seeing the well-intention that's the space we're creating between each other right now, right? And I think that's, yes. I think that's so important the way you say that. I remember, and I'm, this is a lead into your relationship with your mom and, and, and going in, in, in that direction, because um, I love your relationship with your mom. You. Um, and when my dad fell sick, he fell sick and when I pretty much moved to LA the first time. Mm. Um, and he passed away in 2007. Um, but in, in that four year period, uh, I had taken a, a road trip with him up to where we're from, Paris, Texas. And in that conversation, he said, what do you feel the Holy Spirit is? And I said- Quite a car ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, this was when my dad, six foot four. In this moment, I move into a conversation that you may have heard before in one of the other interviews. It is the relationship that I had with my dad. And when he asked me what I thought the Holy Spirit to be, and I told my dad that I felt that the Holy Spirit was the thing that moved through me, through my chest, my inner truth, my, my inner knowing of my path. Holy Spirit was just a term that my father understood. And for me, the translation was my unique creative power. I share that with Brian here, and we begin to talk about parents and our inner truth as it pertains to our willingness to be creative. Now, that can turn some people off, but that thing that is our truth, and I know you speak to this, yeah. that thing that is in our truth right here is always going to be there. And if we ignore it, it becomes petrified, but it's all until the day we die, it's going to be whispering. Yeah, right, right. right. Healing. So um, talk to me about your relationship with your mom, your family, um, what you do and, and obstacles that, that may have arisen with your, with your family. Well, you know, my, I'm very close to my mom. I was raised in a single parent family. Um, my, my dad was living at the time when I was a child, but my parents were divorced. And so my mom really had, you know, she was a single woman working, working in the corporate world in the eighties. And I feel like it was not, and she was, you know, always, uh, they would call them secretaries then or an assistant and working in a room full of men trying to raise two little boys. You know, I have a great affinity for her for what seemed like a sacrifice at the time, of course, that she's really putting all of her heart and soul into raising two little boys. The one thing that my mother, I think, instilled from me from the very beginning is that I can do anything. And I think that that is an individual experience. And I think that phrase is actually like a crappy phrase. Like if you saw that on a billboard, you'd be like, Shh, frick off, right? Like go away, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I think that instilling it in someone is different than that, right? This is not, this is no belief in a meritocracy by any means, let me just be clear. But I think that the belief that I can do anything. And so it gave me, I think a certain strength to say, oh, oh goodness, I'm gay. 
and say that, tell her that, right? Um, and I think that that was also why, because of our closeness of, you know, I was the man of the house as I'm seven, my brother's like less than a year old at that point. So my mother and I became, got very close. And so I think that closeness, my fear around saying I'm gay was I was gonna lose my, this person that I'm the most close to in the world. And that was not the reaction that I got from my mother at all. It was completely that I love you so much and it's unconditional. And, and now I say it a little easily when I know that I had a very lucky experience compared to what I know many people's experiences like. Um, and you know, family comes with its own, you know, easy things and not as easy things. We have a very close relationship. So that's both helpful most of the time. And then 10% of the time it's annoying, right? 10% of the time, like, mom, you don't need my help with this. You know how to do like, there's, it gets to be a little bit like, who is the parent sometime, whatever. Right. Um, and my brother, I was not raised in any religion or spirituality, which my brother has no relationship with uh, any kind of spirituality. Um, and my mom has like a loose relationship with it. Right. And so, um, without making my sound bigger than I am, I feel like I am able to bring that into our conversations in a way that is palatable and understandable. My brother's almost a little bit resistant to it. And then yet when I'm like, Hey, it's Thanksgiving. Can I just like say a prayer before we eat dinner? And, uh, he always is very grateful for it or, uh, finds the way to, listen right like I shared like an Anne Lamott video at Christmas time and they were very into it and so I think that's part of what it say again a what video an Anne Lamott she's like one of my favorite writers in the world she's got a great the things that writing has taught her video that's TED talk that she did so um Anne Lamott is her name she's one of my favorites um but just I find that where I am now is my job is to not coach my family my job is to not be the reverend to my family reverend in my life and coach in my life sure but to show up in the way that, you know, you need your son to show up, you need your brother to show up. It's my job to not um, be that unless asked to. Like my brother recently said, hey, I'm thinking I'm gonna look for a job. Can you help me with that? Great, you actually want me to show up as a coach because I can help you do that. Mm -hmm. My mom saying, you know, I need some help with this relationship. You know, I can do that. So I think it's been a gift. I think it's a gift. I'm sure you find this too, that there are certain conversations you can have with your family more easily than other people. I just remember when my, one of my favorite memories, and I don't think my cousin even knows this is my uncle died and I went home to be with them in Ohio and there was a funeral and my cousin grabbed my hand when I walked into the funeral home and said, I need your good words. I need good words, Brian. And that really, I, that really returned me to myself. Cause I felt like, Oh, that's one of the things I know how to do is to give wor good words to the human experience when someone is hurting or trying to grapple with something. And I have found in my own work that language, because we think in words, is such a huge part of understanding who you are and being able to say what you want in the world. And so often the, the screw, screwy thing is, is when I find people like trying to reach out, like one of the places I know a lot of creative people have a hard time is being seen. Like I need to reach out and connect with people or network. And I'm sure you see this Brianna too, right? And they are like writing the way they were taught to write a proper email in seventh grade or proper letter in seventh grade or something like proper English. And they suddenly say like, who is this robot writing this email, reaching out to people? And you'll never like, get that from me, I promise. Oh, thank you. Good. No, yours are sound like you sound like you like talking like a normal person, right? Yeah. Or then I'll also find like people like I haven't talked to them in three years. I can't write them an email. I don't know to say, great. Hey, it's been three years since the last time we connected. 
sorry I fell off the wet wag. Like just like being so honest about it. And so authentic. Yeah. yeah. Authentic. Yes, absolutely. Authentic and also like owning your because you'd be like, I'm being authentic by asking. You're actually being you're trying to hide the fact that you haven't talked for three years by asking. You want to say it out loud. It just makes knowledge. Yeah, so much acknowledgement around it. Yeah. So that's, I don't know if that answered the question that kind of went in a different direction. Oh, it was perfect. And it brought up a couple of other things. And, and there's actually, you touched on a question I'm going to ask you toward the end. Um, so, so that's great. great. Um, and we'll get to that and it'll probably come up again. Um, so the beingness, the listening, the, the, your way of being with your family. And this is a, 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 a big uh, hurdle sometimes for us to, under, uh, to, to overcome. You know, I, I, I know that my personality is controlling, right? I know that my personality and that works. It works on set. It works um, as a director and it works to get stuff done. Yep. And you need that personality in the world. And then there are people that are supportive and there are people of, you know, the, 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 the four quadrants of the personality and knowing that that is a strength that I have, knowing that. I also have other relationships. When my controller comes in with Charlie, it's done. Like, no, you know, <laughs> it's not gonna work. If my controller comes in with my dang brother, it. huh? <laughs> dang right? it, I said, dang it. Yeah, it's, 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 it, 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 because his, uh, his, his mom, love her, um, had a controlling, um, experience. And so because I know that, and he's communicated that with me, I know that I also get to shift, right? Mm -hmm. And I get to shift how I'm communicating with him. Um, your purpose as a, a leader in the world and a coach, that controller works, right? That, that I'm here for you. I'm yes. I want to like this. And I want yeah. like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's inspiring and people want that and people need that. And then we also get to acknowledge that that doesn't always work, right? Mm -hmm. It also yeah. doesn't always work to be a supporter all the time. Some people, sometimes people want you to step up, come on, you know? Yeah. yeah so yeah. having that relationship with your mom allows you to shift your way of being into something that, that you're meeting her there, you know, you're meeting her where, where she is. Um, and I think that that's important for everyone to acknowledge who am I and how does that work and how and in what ways does it not work well and also you just pointed out something really important which I'm just going to reference the work uh there's a book called hold me tight that I love and it's a book about interpersonal relationships and what you said is I know that Charlie has a thing about control I know I'm controlling one of the ways that I choose to love him is by not being that person as often as I can try not to be mm -hmm. so that I can be there for him in a way that actually feels loving yeah. Right. And so that's part of like, when we like codependent, which I think is like an old word that doesn't work anymore. It's more about attachment theory, mm -hmm. but like being there in the person's trigger in their thing and being with them in a way that actually can allow them to be their most awesome, abundant self. I think it's like, I'll say for my mom, she does never want to feel, she never wants to be made to feel incapable. My brother is really good at making her feel like she doesn't know what she's doing and you don't know how to do anything and whatever. So in my communication with the mom, I'm often trying to say, you got this, you don't need me on this here. Let me show you, let me, let me lead you to the horse to water, but let me not do the drinking of the water for you. So just knowing that about people, and that's of course comes from a longer relationship. We know that, right? Yeah. We get to choose how we wanna love is kind of the way that I 
I think that you want to love from a position of like, they're never going to get it this way. Or do you want to love from a position of, oh, when I soften this or I change this, we're just able to be together a little bit more easily. Right. Another word that keeps coming up in, in kind of underneath what you're saying is empowerment. You know, I, I, I'm here to empower you to your best self with your mom, with uh, our relationships. Yeah. Let me show you what I see in you. And it's so important. I really want the world to see. And for some reason, I'm called in this interview series. There's somebody in middle America, somebody in a rural community that, that's really wanting to, to make a shift, make a change. And they get to reach out to someone that's going to see their greatest self and empower them um, and how important that is uh, to listening to that calling, unleashing your creative beast. And sometimes we just need that permission. Oh my right? gosh, permission. I, I think permission is one of the most important things that people, it's weird because I think that self-help people, people who talk this talk, mm -hmm. get the word permission. And then when you say it to someone else, it's like something clicks. If they've never heard it before, something really clicks. And what I said yesterday, when I accepted my, like being a reverend, when I had a, this ceremony that we had, right? I said, this feels like a huge permission slip to own the knowledge that I have now. It feels like a huge permission slip. And then it also feels like I now am able to maybe get hold of a nicer pen when it comes to signing permission slips for other people. I don't think I'm the arbiter of permission slips, but what I think that means is I'll have the language now having this training behind me to meet people where they are in their own spiritual journey to say more permission granted, more permission granted. And like you said, to just let that part of inside of them come out, let that part of inside of them shine. And what we would say in A Course in Miracles, and I think this is true of Judaism and also Christianity, is there's that part of you that can never be injured or damaged or hurt, which is your spirit, your soul, your Shekinah, whatever word you use for it, right? And that what you're saying is like, that part of you wants to be seen. That part of you wants to unleash itself, like yeah. you said, wants to make, wants to create, wants to do something. Um, and you know, we all had childhoods that screwed us up. No matter how perfect your parents were, they tell you to act this way or be this way, or this is a good little girl. This is what a good little boy does. And, um, or maybe the words girl and boy weren't even working for you at the time, right? And that's a problem. That, that could become a problem in that moment, right? And now I don't even know where I fit in this, right? So I think that part of this is our unpacking of that so we can then return to ourselves mm -hmm. yeah and that returning to self is asking that zero to eight you who are you then paint that picture you know you know i was wearing things on my head and makeup and mustaches and doing magic shows and that was my truth then and it's pretty much always been my truth <laughs> um but asking that question who was i then that is your most authentic joyful self and just reflect on that and how can you bring that person back a little bit and those things going on in your head society saying it's not practical it's not right you've got responsibilities um you can really you can still access that that little person you know yeah, and, I also, and i love what you're saying Brian, because i think that little person also is the person who is in your life right now and saying oh this is something that i know how to do something better i have an idea about how to do this and like this person now is smarter in some ways and maybe dumber than others, but smarter and can bring all that creativity right into, I have an idea for how to tell the story or I have an idea for how to make this thing that now I've had all this training or this in my life. And now what I always feel like is you feel this like this, whoosh, you feel it all come together, right? Like when I'll be talking to someone who is not an actor, but I'll be calling on my acting background to help convey something to them. And it's all like coming together the parts of who you are when you are in your purpose. And what you just mm -hmm. described is, you know, we orphan parts of ourselves off. 
we just say, you know, that part about me that likes singing does not belong in this world anymore. Mm -hmm. That part of me that likes to play in the garage and put on shows with my friends does not belong in this world anymore. Like that, there's no room for that. I have to be a, this is who I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I think, you know, capitalism doesn't help us in this. Um, but I also think that, you know, I was, I was hearing a sleep scientist talking the other day about how we're actually not programmed to it need eight hours of sleep a day. We're programmed to have a little nap here and a little nap there and a little nap there. Would that our world could be like that? I mean, yes. But the 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 what I'm reminding me of in that moment is we have such an expectation of how it's supposed to look, mm-hmm. what it's what it is to be successful. Um, and I just find the more we let go of what we what we defi- whatever we what the outside world defines as successful, the more we're able to be courageous and do that which that part of you is, is, is brought here to do. Yeah, and those rules were made up to serve a system, to serve a certain demographic, certain, mm-hmm. you know, a, a group of people that have always had money, have always had whatever, right. uh, power, et cetera. And it's up to us, and that's the, that's the question of this experience, is it is now up to us to listen to that inner truth. Everyone go out, expand, and just, do and be, you're gonna be okay. In fact, as you say, you're going to be happier. That's where your happiness is. And in that flow and trusting that there's abundance. If we believe in that, that there's abundance, there's abundance of possibility, that everything is possible all the time, then we begin to create that synergy of, of flow and abundance. And also I wanna acknowledge, you know, like, like you just said, you know, I'm speaking from a place of privilege. I'm a white cisgendered gay man, right? So I have certain privilege in the world, right? And so as we speak, as we talk this talk, there isn't an expectation that like, you haven't been doing this up till now. There's more of an expectation of what can, and I think this is what you're doing so beautifully with what you're doing here, Brianna, is what can you spark right now? What spark can we unleash that has been quiet? What, what, what thing that you've been way back in your head thinking about doing or wanting to do, can we start to give you permission yeah. to say yes to, to believe that that is enough, that it is okay to want that, right? Yeah. There is uh, someone out there listening to this right now. Well, not right now, but when this releases <laughs> that says, oh, I used to sing. I used to love to sing. Go right now and order a karaoke microphone, yes. <laughs> right? And take that step and put on your best dress, put on your best show outfit and do it in your living room and record it later or now. Just right? go and do it. Oh, you're gonna feel so alive. Right. And I also think that there's something, there's something also really great. If we could say 2020 gave us one thing is that more people know how to get online and look at each other. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you want to be witnessed for the thing that you are doing, then it is so much more easy to, I think, get, hey, can you, I want to do something I want to share with you. Um, I can say that one of my courses, I have everybody share a story from their life with people in their world. And everyone has a lot of feelings like this before they share the story. And to a T, every single person after they share the story, like, it was the most amazing, wonderful time. The people who I shared it with were so grateful that I shared it with them. We approach it like, I'm going to ask them and maybe they're going to feel like I'm I'm asking for too much and am I going to annoy them? And every single person who's come to watch someone's story or whatever kind of, some of them did performances, they have said, thank you. I got to know you better. This was so great. I should be doing this more during this time. Like, and so I just think that one thing that can come out of 2020 is the ability to say, Hey, can you, uh, can you witness me? Can I, can I share something with you? Mm -hmm. Um, And so much creativity, 
creativity isn't only singing a song, right? Creativity could be tending your garden, but I think that, right, it, but there are many things that want to be witnessed yeah. and that we feel more at home when it has been witnessed. Yeah. And so I think that's a, one of the gifts that it's given us. Um, I enjoy doing that as well. And if I'm doing a, a group setting and you can, I don't know if you do this, but you can certainly uh, in, in incorporate it as I have each one of them tell their story inside that group. And then I don't tell them that we're going to do this, but then I say, okay, the person to the right of you is going to tell your story in the first person. Oh, I love it. So then there's empathy it. and then the challenge of really listening, the challenge of really connecting and really being present. Yeah. So and then also, then you get to hear someone's story you get to hear your story said by someone else which is so gratifying i think like yeah I, oh i said that and oh i didn't that wasn't even a big deal and you remembered that like that's what i think is so magical about what you just described yeah and then then you you get to hear your experience out loud it's so it's beautiful yeah it's really yeah, yeah. maybe we'll do a, a combo course at some point we'll i love that i love that some kind of around the fire we call yes. it around the fire yes well, I'm thinking, cause I have a, a big yard and right before the pandemic, I was gonna do like a, a play, like a stage play. Oh, we love have a it. fire pit, we have two spaces for fire pits. Through this next segue, I share with Brian an idea for a show that I wanna create within the next year and a half, two years, a live stage production. And we move forward into a conversation around connectedness and awareness and my perspective of Brian is he is hyper aware, empathetic, and compassionate inside of his awareness. You're like right ahead of me. It's so great. It's so, you're so connected. Good. We are so connected. Um, because I love the email that you sent back to me this weekend. Um, okay. Inclusivity. Yeah. Um, making sure that, that everyone is being seen. And I want to ask you this, and I want to be specific with the question. Empowerment and inclusivity comes up in our conversation. Uh, what responsibility do we, particularly you and I, as white men um, mm -hmm. and as artists and creatives and leaders, uh, bear to ensure unity, uh, empowerment, and growth across the globe? Before you answer, if you yes. don't mind, this is really important. And sometimes what we say can go can shut people off in one way or another. And I really encourage everybody um, to, to not feel guilt or shame around anything that they are, that they are, but really say, how can I be of service? Right. What do you feel like is our responsibility? Well, I, this is a big question. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and what I can say is we have a three, so I'm going at this from the outside in. Okay. So it's not a, the answer to this is not finite right? The work continues. Mm -hmm. And so my work so far has been educating myself. I've worked with like three different consultants who have brought into my team to educate me and my partner. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that most, I don't know most, I'm not going to make any generalizations. I thought of myself as a person who was not racist, but I now believe myself to be a person who's an anti-racist, which is where I would rather place myself. And I'm not going to teach what that is here because everyone listening can do their own work. And because this right. is probably a varied audience and you probably don't want to hear from me otherwise. I'm not an expert, yeah. right? And I grew up in a country that uh, likes white skin more than it likes black skin. Therefore, I have racist thoughts inside of my head just by the water that I drink. Mm -hmm. And that is what has been my job to re-educate myself. Um, and as a person, as, as what in my business, 
because I think that's where I'll go first with this, is I want my audience to be diverse because then I know that I'm talking to everyone. And now I can't talk here and talk a big game around making the world a better place when I'm only talking to white people. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so if I'm really serious about it, so in my business right now, I can just share a little bit of this. So we have a whole, we have um, commitments that we're making. And I say that just to share that, like the, the commitments are ones that we have to live up to. And that's been a really interesting and exciting and scary at times journey, like sending an email to someone that I'm doing a summit for that says, Hey, I need to know that I'm not, this is not going to be a white people, a bunch of white people talking. And if there isn't going to be white people talking, I'd like to give my spot to someone else. Right. And I say that not to be performative in this moment to share that with you, but you can imagine that it can feel confronting to say that to someone. And so far, every reaction I've had to anyone who I've said that to has not been confronting. It's been quite wonderful. It's been very well received, I should say. And like people have been connected. I've been able to connect people to other people. It's been really great to see that. Inside of my own business, there's certain words that we don't use anymore. There's a, I'm not going to say the word, but in uh, Native American populations, when there's a group, they like to use the word tribe. It has been, sometimes I think that word is used incorrectly. At least that's what I've been taught, right? And so just learning these things that can distance someone or make them feel not as safe. Um, I feel very strongly about reparations personally. And so inside of my own business, we have a reparations for BIPOC for black people um, and we have scholarships for diversity. And to me, it isn't because I'm assuming a victimhood or position of less um, affluency uh, for those populations, but because I want to have more of those populations in my business. Yeah. Um, and I think it's our job. I think it is our job. If we were going to talk a big game around manifestation and making things and being the best person we can be, then to me, that is you're being a better citizen of the universe. And I don't believe that's true unless the whole everyone here is being lifted up or being and in, in many cases being given some kind of a fair shot, which is what I think is the bigger issue. Yeah. And if a friend of mine, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm hurting, I'm, I'm going to listen. I share here with Brian the power of listening, and if a friend of mine or a community is coming to me and saying that I'm hurting, I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to listen. I'm going to ask questions. I may not have the answers, but I want to approach everything from a curious place, a place of curiosity and a place of possibility, and approach everything with curiosity. Everything. Here we begin the conversation around setting intentions. Side, I think if you go in with the intention of love, the intention of of unity and and kindness, it, inevitably those things are going to win. Your intention is that, right? And listening. Right. The power of forgiveness and responsibility. Um, where in your life have you had a real, this is, I love this one because this is like, I'm breaking through because you have to have the forgiveness before you can move forward in your life. Where, what was one of the toughest moments of needing to forgive so that you could move on? Even if that other person didn't ask for it. I I think that the, I, I go a lot of different directions when you say this. And I think the place I go first is, uh, in intimate relationships is where I go first. Mm. And I think uh, I can just say for myself, I feel like I love very fiercely and very loyally. So when a relationship ends, and I'm sure not the only person who has this problem, the end of a relationship or the end of that form of a relationship can be very disorienting. Mm. And I would say that that is a moment where the ability to see beyond us together as a couple is the perfect thing. And it must be this, or we're not loving each other. There's no community. That is a space where I think forgiveness has been needed 
from me in the past. Not like out of like, they did something wrong, but just out of like, I can forgive myself for having the belief that it has to be for forever. I can forgive them for, for us for deciding we're going to dissolve this, right? Um, and that the love is still there, but it changes into another form is one of the places. I think that, you know, of course, Miracles have said forgiveness is our function. Um, and I think that that is where I stand wholeheartedly. You know, you can think of, if you said, you know, close your eyes, think of three people that you're kind of annoyed with, kind of annoyed is the same as we would say is like murder or something in A Course of Miracles. Like you were holding that person at a distance because you're not letting the truth of that person show up. And so our willingness to forgive, you know, I feel like forgiveness is not a, is not a solo journey. I believe forgiveness is a, you put it up on the altar and then you let Holy Spirit, God, universe, whatever you believe, take the next step. But your willingness to say, I am willing to see this differently is tough. Some people will want to hold on to what has happened to them. Some people will want to hold on to it can feel more vindicating or it may need more healing before you can feel ready to hand it over mm. um, before you're willing to let go of the rightness or let go of the hurt. Mm. Um, and I don't say there's, there's no perfect time. I think grief and forgiveness are, there's no timeline. There's no time when it has to end or begin. Um, but what I do see is, and you probably see this in your work too, is people suffering because forgiveness hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just thinking of a client that I was working with the other week and it's continually coming up in our conversations and experience she had with an agent. Um, and it is coloring the way, the ghost of that agent is in every email. The ghost of that agent is in every way she's reaching out to new agents. And until she's forgiven that experience, it's gonna be in the room with her, mm -hmm. which is like the worst news, right? It's like the worst news. Forgiveness sucks when you're really in it. It really sucks to have to try. I have to forgive them. Are you kidding? I didn't do anything wrong. What are you talking about? Like that is not that that, that does not make calculated logical sense for us. Right. Um, and yet we also know what it's going to feel like on the other side. It doesn't make calculated logical sense most of the time. But when we go into here, it makes perfect sense because right. do I and because I my experience is that people choose to hold on to that resentment, hold on to whatever that is, because it feels safe. And then I'm not going to make that mistake again. Um, mm -hmm. or, 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 or there's there's I'm going to protect myself with this barrier. Um, I can I can be victim to that um, circumstance. And then that's my excuse for not being my greatest self. People I look at, I really try to really commit to saying that person's doing the best that they can in the moment that they are. And, you know, in this business, we are quite often uh, forced to forgive a lot, you know? Um, and I also think what you just said is so good. They're doing the best that they can. And I don't know better for them. I can't decide that I know the way they should have acted. That's wrong. It's wrong for me to decide that I'm, because there's a difference between forgiveness and I'm going to forgive you for doing what you did, which is just judgment disguised as forgiveness, right? Oh, it's not so true. This, I'm this, I'm a spiritually evolved person. And so I can forgive you, even though I know what you did with like, that's not forgiveness. That's just hatred disguised as forgiveness. Um, and yes. so it's very different when you can say they were doing, like you said, I love that language. They were doing the best that they could and I'm doing the best that I can now. And no one is wrong. You know, I think it's to get to the place of no one is wrong. It's hard when feeling right feels so good sometimes. And it doesn't get you anywhere. And that's right. you know, it's rampant right now. I am so attached to the need to be right. 
And therefore I'm not going to listen to anything you say. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And, and that's, and, and responsibility flows in there because you are responsible for your, for you and uh, forgiveness and authenticity. Yes. As you said, time and, and, and allow it to be a true element of forgiveness so that you can move on and authentic in that uh, step. So important. I also think in forgiveness, you have to, one more thing to add to that is claim who you were, right? So if I'm really going to put this on the altar and willing to let this be changed, or I'm willing to see this differently, say like, what part did I also play? Let me own my part in this. And now I can hand it over and let it be changed for me. Yeah. And that's where expectations land, right? So if we, I always say this, expectations work so well in scripts and scene work. It has to, right? One person has a direct specific expectation. The other one does. And there's, yes. bam, that's drama. That's great. That's where we are in storytelling right now. Um, I have a vision of a shift in story where conflict is, is overcome within ourselves. And then we get to have a conversation. So you're going internal, internally right. and dealing with the conflict. But in life, it doesn't, it doesn't serve us, right? Letting go of those expectations and attachment to results has to look this way, as we were saying earlier, and letting go of that because the best picture, the one that you have wanted to create, that feelingness of joy, of happiness is right on the other side of you, letting go of the need to be right and letting go of the expectations. Right. For mm -hmm. sure. This is so good. This is so yeah. good. You're, you're just, you know, your joy uh, comes with rigor. Your joy comes with um, uh, a commitment to word, right? I'm yeah. gonna commit to this and there my, therefore my word uh, lives uh, and I'm gonna hold you accountable to that. That's mm -hmm. one of the things you're so good at. Uh, where does that come from? What, what inspires you to be that person? I have a value. I don't know what inspires it. So let me see if I can answer this question. I have a value around being an adult which means don't play, don't let your emotions be your playthings. Mm -hmm. So if an emotion is calling you to say, I didn't behave the best way I could back there. I'm feeling really torn about this part of my headshot even, right? Like, I'm not sure about this, right? Allow your emotions to be a, you know, like work like a compass to tell you what directions to go, mm -hmm. but do not allow them. I don't believe they should become a rest stop. Let's hang out here for a while. Now I'm, I'm moving this aside for grief, I'm moving aside for love. I just want to make sure like, but when it comes to emotions getting in the way of our creativity, and I don't even like that we're getting in the way because I think emotions help guide our creativity, but they are guiding your creativity. They are not there to convince you to play small. It's like, let's not play the outside. Sometimes I feel like everyone can, or people can be operating the outside of what's the actual issue. Like, I'm going to be over here and I'm really worried about using this photographer and blah, 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 blah. it's all about this. Like, can we get the photos and make some decisions there? Like that there is so much more value in action than there is to thinking. Um, no offense to philosophers because I love philosophy, but by taking action, you will learn more than you will by thinking about taking the action. And most times the action doesn't necessarily cost money. It costs, let me send the email and see what happens. It costs, let me make the phone call and see what happens. Yeah. And to me, that part of it going like, you are a precious child of God, universe, whatever you believe. You've been given a great gift to give this universe and it is selfish for you to play 
in the dalliances of messy emotion when you are here to fulfill your function. One of the things A Course in Miracles says is be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled. I'm going to say that again. Be determined each day not to leave your function unfulfilled. So on the days when you are not doing the thing what you are called to do, you might be in a bad mood. You might feel like it's not a great day. Of course you were, because you didn't get to do the thing that you were here called to do. So I think coming off of the heels of 2020, when so many people are stuck at home and are not sure, like, how do I get to act? Do I get to create? I'm used to collaborating. Like, I think we are very resourceful in finding things like Zoom to be able to help us, but we can feel very separate from ourselves. You know, I think Freud defines neuroses as separation from self, right? So we are separated from ourself because we are not in our function. And so this, what you, I guess I'm being the person who just asked me, why am I like this? I'm like this because this is what I, this is what I'm most passionate about. It is what I care about the most because I believe that when everybody's out there doing the thing they're called to do, this world is a better place. That this world, you are, I also believe people can think this is like airy fairy and go suck on a crystal kind of talk when I say this stuff. I actually believe you're smarter when you are in your function. You are I that agree. much better to make decisions when you're in the, it is not like my function is this thing I do over here and then here's life. No, it's when you're doing your function, life is better. I hope this landed as powerfully for you as it did for me. Before we move forward, please take a moment here and connect with your function, your calling, and acknowledge that your life is better, the world is better, because you are moving into and you are addressing and you are in committed action to your calling. What is your calling and what are you committed to today to move in the step of listening to it and taking committed action? What, what came up to me for me when you were, you were talking about the thinking thing, I remember sitting on the steps of my New York apartment in Washington Heights. And I was sitting there and I, 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 I think, I am always thinking, right? And it's very difficult for me to slap myself out of it and just go do something. Cause I love everything that happens in here. <laughs> uh, yes. It, it's so much fun. And I was sitting on the steps and I was in this zone. I do that. It's, it's really kind of creepy. Um, especially if you're, it happened to be in the, 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 <laughs> The front of my purview. Like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello. Right. Why is that dude staring at me? Not in here. <laughs> Not at all. Um, and walks in front of me this um, older man, a black guy, um, and he with this warmest, gentlest, most beautiful, rough voice goes, hey, man, hey, just go do it. Nice. That was divine. Divine. Right? And yeah. it was beautiful. Only like that person could have said it. I remember when I first did my life coach training, they do this exercise where they're like, imagine that you have a billboard on the side of the road and what would it say? And I was like, oh, that's easy. Mine would say, just start like a magical billboard that every mm -hmm. single person who drove by would be changed. And I said, just start. Mm -hmm. I believe you'll learn so much more by starting than you will by thinking about it. Yeah. So much more. And in and, and the giving yourself the grace to not get it right as you begin, to not know what it's gonna look like. Like we talked about at the beginning, this like idea that you're gonna learn something no matter what, so it's gonna be successful. That kind of lesson. Whoever's listening to this right now. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, do Just it. Just go do it. Take one step. Yeah. Email Brian, email me, email <laughs> us. Right. Just take that step.
It is so possible. I asked Brian to express anything around obstacles or limitations, self-doubt, to move into a conversation around possibility and overcoming those obstacles with the mind frame that everything is possible. Vulnerably and courageously, Brian shares here. You know, I still have echoes of coming out of gay that show up today that I'm so surprised by because I had such an easy coming out with my family um, that I still today can find myself operating from a position of a fear of getting caught, um, even though I'm not doing anything wrong, right? And so it can almost, the obstacle being like, will I still be loved? Will I still be liked? Will I still be cared about? Will people still think I'm smart? Like it'll go that fast when it comes to like, oh, and it's not imposter syndrome. It's very different. Mm -hmm. It is very much more like, I'll tell you, okay. So, and the business is the, the size I am at, it's very normal to receive an email where someone wants to like get a refund or wants to cancel. Right. And so the first few cancellations I got, I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible person. They hate me. They hate what I'm doing. They hate everything that I'm doing. And it can, I have no business knowing why they canceled. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's in the first 10 days, they're allowed to cancel anyway. It's not a big deal. Like maybe they couldn't afford it. They did an impulse buy. Who can, like, Ryan, you've bought things before and you decided to take them back. So what is this thing where you're operating on this? Like they found out I'm fake or they, they, they don't believe in what I'm saying. Um, and I believe I've become a little dangerous from that now, because now I believe like the people who don't like what I'm saying should 100% go somewhere else and find someone where they do like what they're saying. So they will take action. Right. Because I feel like in the world of putting out content and sharing materials with people, there can be a low level of satisfaction. Like, oh, I'm just going to take a couple of the information that I've got from Brian and I'm going to try to do this on my own. And I'm just going to kind of get my foot wet and never go fully into something, which doesn't mean they have to work with me. But what I mean by that is we need to go, we need to say yes to something as opposed to, I'm just going to try a little bit of everything. And then the needle doesn't necessarily move. And then another year passes and maybe another year passes because you, and to me, there's this, this, I now believe like, get off my list. If you're just hanging out, if you're not doing something with it, then I, I don't want to, I don't want to be, I don't want to be giving you the diet Coke version of your life. Yeah. I want to know that you are doing something with it. I don't want to just be fast food inspiration. My, my wish is that you're actually making changes in your life. Right. So I always say like, find something and go, go towards it with a lot of uh, excitement. So this, for me, this is the whole, the, the counterpoint of this in terms of this obstacle is um, staying in relationship to when do I feel that I am being performative out of a fear of being caught. Mm. Like I'm writing a comment to make sure no one catches me or I'm putting this kind of an email out so that no one catches me. Just noticing when I'm doing like, what is motivating this weird way of being here, right? Mm -hmm. Which is different I, than fun. Cause like, I'll say like, I'll notice, I'll be like writing an email. And when I send an email, it goes out to like 25,000 people. So, you know, I can get nervous when I'm about to click send. And so I'm looking like where are the commas and how are the T's crossed and, that, and I'm getting like that. And I go, whoo. I know when I've gone too far, like I'm getting weird. Uh -huh. and I go, Brian, you're getting weird. This email's great. And you are no longer worried about them. You're more worried about how you look to them. Ah, oh, I got a quick send. The impact is on them. It's not about me. So if I get too stuck in commas and semicolons, then I know I've gone beyond the impact that I want to have on them. And then I need click send. It's not about, it's not about you, right? It's um, so true. Danger. I think it'd be dangerous though, because then it can also be where you have a value around like punctuation, good punctuation is a value, right? So you have to like sort out when you're being uh, 
being weird versus uh, honoring your value, I think. Well, that's also where team comes in because I you do not want to get an email from me if you're a, an analyzer. You just don't, like, because I'm a storyteller and I will do, I'll put the comma, you know, I'll just add some commas at the below at the paragraph and say, right. you just put them wherever you want to put them. <laughs> I get it. Here's all the That's punctuation. Here's however you want. I think you're going to need six. Figure out where they go. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Leadership is vulnerability. And part of vulnerability is knowing your weaknesses and knowing your strengths and empowering your team to also acknowledge their strengths and their weaknesses and being able to communicate that so that the team can function effectively. Here we move into the importance of team and also the importance of running a business and not taking things personally as a benefit to the client. Mm -hmm. I have to have a team that holds me accountable, that, that pulls me back from like the other new thought of, of, of creation. Yeah. And you have to be willing not to be liked is a big, huge thing that I teach people. Like I love an unsubscribe, click unsubscribe, please unsubscribe. If you I'm, but when you click unsubscribe for me, I am imagining that that means you're saying a bigger yes to someone else. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining that my cert, what I offer isn't serving you so you're going to shut this voice off because you're going to get more clear on the voices you do want to listen to mm -hmm. so if i'm not your flavor please go pick up one of the other 32 and really go for it right yeah. and so and then i then i also get to know that the people who are on the list are or the people that are, are part of whatever list you maintain if it's a database because you're reaching out because your photography is happening right that those are people who are the, like the orange juice concentrate of loving you and wanting to hear from you, you know the ones that are there are that much more ready to be with you right yeah, yeah. yeah. You're excited, get the gesture. I'm excited. I love it. Um, and that that doesn't mean that we don't incorporate feedback and acknowledge, okay, this right. is an opportunity. Well, 100%, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Make sure we say that. Um, you love Vincent Van Gogh, minus Salvador Dali. Oh, God, <laughs> great. Say yes. that. I was like, oh, he's a Van Gogh guy. I'm yes. a Salvador Dali. If you look at Salvador Dali and you know me and you know what's, that's pretty much what my head looks like inside. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, uh, you've already mentioned a couple of writers that inspire you. Um, there is, uh, what do you feel like your creative beast? I've got two more questions moving okay. us forward. How okay. do you feel like you are a creative beast? And this is leading somewhere. Uh, I am doggedly addicted to serving the people in my audience. Like I, I get off on it. Mm -hmm. I think about them all the time. I think about them in the shower. That's not like the number one place. I don't make that sound weird. Like I think about them when I'm reading the New York Times. I think about them when I'm watching TV. I think about when I'm reading a magazine. I, my thought isn't just how can I in, ingest or digest whatever's in front of me, but how can I take what I'm learning and give it to them? And the mode by which I give it to them is where I get to be creative. Mm -hmm. The mode by how I deliver it is where I get to be creative. And I get to do that by my language or if it's a video or I get to think about how will they both, how will this best, best be understood by my audience, right? And I think about this when I, particularly when I'm like creating a course, right? Should this be a worksheet? Should this be a video? Should this be a live? Like, how are they going to understand this best so that their journey through understanding this is the most um, integrated into their understanding of what it is to be a creative artist, right? And so I think that my creative beast lives in wanting to serve, 
And it sounds so geeky when I say it that way, because it sounds like, oh, life coachy talk, but like it comes in a form, my beast is insatiably, how do I impact them? How do I touch them? How do I make the 180 faces on the, on the screen smile so that they are open? I believe when we're happy, we're, we're, we're smarter, right? So how, how do I make them not smile like, let me crack a joke, I'm not trying to do standup, but I mean, how does their heart smile so that they feel can say, about I feel more returned to myself. I think my job is to instill, to have people recognize their own confidence and quit second guessing themselves so they can be who they're really meant to be. Seeing them in their highest self, their empowered self, and, and, and knowing that like a script, you have the blueprint, you have this canvas to live in, and your vision is like all the moving parts of that person's life story in front of you. How can I tell the, how can I support you in telling the best of your life story? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I yeah. love it. Um, so, uh, how do you want to see, how do you want others to see you? And this is a handsome, young, gorgeous, intelligent. Um, how do others to see me? Uh, human, 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 human. Lately, I've been very much, um, wanting to not seem like I have all the answers. Um, wanting to seem like I am building the plane while we're flying it, wanting to feel like I am in process with. So maybe I'm 10% ahead of what you're trying to do so that I have some ideas about how to do it, like how to market yourself or whatever, right? But I want to also to be human where I'm bringing my own story into what I'm learning and what I'm noticing. So I find myself when I'm working with clients is like, oh, here's what I noticed another client is doing that's working. Here's what I noticed it isn't working. So there's a certain degree of expertise that comes from having the ears that are collecting a lot of stories, mm -hmm. right? I sometimes think of myself as the, the story, the collector of stories. And then I get to share with you, here's what's working and here's what's not working. And that's kind of my position. So I think I would like to be seen as a kind person. And I also would like to be seen as a person who can help. I think. Oh. Generous, kind. Yeah. So I love that. And, and I love this question because it holds ourselves accountable, right? If, yeah. if I have the courage to say, I want to be seen this way, I want to be seen as loving, responsible, kind, enthusiastic, generous, then I remind myself every day that that, that is a way of being in which I can, I can begin to create that narrative, right? Yeah. And it's authentic and it's true. Yeah, it's not a performative. It's not, a, it's not just for show, right? Right. So here's how I see you. I see you strong, straightforward, generous, enthusiastic, beautiful, courageous, and brilliant at what you do. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to hear yeah. you say that. You yeah, know? it is. And I think that that's another thing that I really want people to experience is hearing that hearing you know we reserve our opinions of of, of of exalting or celebrating someone we don't need to do that anymore yeah we don't give people enough gold stars everyone still needs them we need to when you hear that you're like oh i i'm doing something right yes yes and they continue to do that something right yes i want to give a gift Okay, let's do it. Right. Can I tell let's you what it is? Are, are we going to get to talk to, get to tell people what it is? Yeah, you can, you can okay, say it here and then yeah. it's going to be in a link right. and all that right. stuff. Yeah. So um, the gift I want to give us is called dearnewagent.com. It's the cutest URL in the history of the universe. 
uh, and it is 40, more than 40 email templates to help actors reach out to agents. But I will say this, I have had people use this exact same templates to reach out to producers and sponsors to get money. So it just gives you the language for pitching yourself. So don't be fooled by the name Dear New Agent. Use it to, if you're a producer or writer or filmmaker, to reach out to get money or all that kind of stuff. It's a really good way to learn how to pitch yourself. So dearnewagent.com. Hold on to. Awesome. And Brian, I love you to death. I love you too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm so glad to have you. I'm gonna...